Well, hello again. My name is John Weil. I've had the privilege to speak to your congregation a couple of times before. When Pastor Kevin wrote, it was a joy to be able to say yes once again. In case we haven't met yet, uh, my wife and I live in Wisconsin. I was a local pastor for many years, and for the last 25, we served with Barnabas International, serving as a pastoral couple caring for God's global workers. But we retired a couple of years ago and are sorting out what God's plan is for us at this stage in life. Pastor Kevin asked if I would step in and help with this series on the way of Jesus. What a privilege that is. And we'll be looking at that section from Mark chapter 1 that you heard read just a few moments ago. But first to reflect on this series for a moment. As you know, Pastor Kevin has said that Jesus is a man of action in the Gospel of Mark, and we see him on the move. And what we're looking at in this series is what he does. And we're going to look at several things in this passage today on what Jesus does. But we also want to be conscious of the fact that he calls us to join him in his journey in his way. So what might that look like? Now, you may have noticed this picture. Um, the big fish leading all the little fish. The way of Jesus. Great picture, but it's not very accurate. This is a better picture. Because Jesus doesn't move out in front of us with us doing the best we can to keep up. He walks with us, both as he is living his way and as we participate with him. We watch him and he is with us, and together we move ahead. Now, today we're going to be looking at three questions, and I invite you to have these three questions in mind all the way through. You ready? Here's the first one. What especially strikes you about Jesus from this passage. The second, in light of what we see about Jesus, why do you particularly need him? And then the third question we will address toward the end of the message is, how is Jesus inviting you into his way? Now, the way we're going to address this is by going through the passage one paragraph at a time. We're going to see four different ways that Jesus is a man of action uh, in this passage. Here's the first one. It says, they went into Capernaum. Now, that was Jesus' kind of home base. And immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. Okay, if you were to pick just one word from this passage, what might it be? Well, you might pick the word authority, and that would be great, but we're going to save that one for a few minutes. And instead, select the word teaching because that's what Jesus does here and continually through the Gospel of Mark. He is always teaching. 
sometimes in synagogues, sometimes as they walk along the way, sometimes when he gathers his disciples in a field, sometimes out in a boat. Wherever Jesus is, he is teaching. Now, it's interesting that uh, much of the time, Mark does not tell us what the content of the specific teaching is. And yet we already know. Pastor Kevin talked about it last week. Do you remember verse 15? This summarized Jesus' teaching. This is what he said. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled. Everything that God has been orchestrating is come together. His kingdom is here, Jesus is saying, because he is here. He's the king. And where the king is, the kingdom is. Okay? And so he says, repent and believe in the gospel. This is his teaching. Now, I think you know that the word gospel is two Greek words mashed to, together that mean good news. And a, a, a Greek person who was reading Mark's gospel uh, would see those words and they would hear in their head, good news. So whenever we see gospel in the Bible, you can immediately translate good news. And why is it good? Because the king is here and his kingdom is here. Now, in light of the fact that Jesus is here, he says, repent and believe in this good news. Repent and believe in me. Now, I love Greek verbs and I love Greek tenses. And both the word repent and the word believe are in what is called the present imperative. And that means a great way to translate this, to get the feeling of the verbs, is this way. Be repenting and be believing in the good news. Yes, it's not a one-time event. Repentance is for every day. Now, it changes a little bit after we have come to Christ. When we start, we're as it were, headed straight west, and we're called, and we turn 180 degrees and go straight east, right toward Jesus, leaving our own stuff behind and pointing toward him. Now, as we then travel with him, it's a little different. It isn't that we move 180 degrees away from him again and have to turn back, but just like a sailboat going across a lake that's trying to keep its bearing right on a particular compass point, we vary off to the side and we start being focused on ourselves again instead of on him. We start engaging with darkness instead of with him in the light. And so we are called to be pulled back to him. And that's ongoing repentance. Sometimes it's just a little pulling back. Sometimes it's a massive pulling back. But it is for every day. And so is believing, trusting in him as our Savior, as our Lord, as our brother, as our friend. The Son of God says, be trusting in me. And every day 
is a day to be trusting Him. Trusting Him about new things and old in richer and deeper and more expanded ways. Jesus is continually teaching. And I invite you to see yourself on this hillside with, with those other disciples. And Jesus, he loves being with you. He loves being with each of the people in the crowd. And he looks you straight in the eyes as he teaches. And he says, I am here. My kingdom is here. Be repenting. Be trusting in the good news. Be trusting in me. Maybe that's the message that is particularly God's for you today. Or maybe it's one of the other pieces of Jesus' way. As we move on, we read this. Immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. Is there one word? I had a hard time finding a single word. I, I had to pick a phrase to get at the idea of what this passage is showing us about the way of Jesus. And I picked this one. That Jesus rebuked him, not the man, but the evil spirit. Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, saying, Be silent and come out of him. Jesus spoke with authority didn't he? And we could use the word authority here to describe the way of Jesus, but I'd like to suggest a different one. I'd like to suggest the word freedom, because that's what Jesus gave this man that day. This man had who had been in chains, who had been unable to control his own activities, his own thoughts, his own thinking, his own believing, this evil spirit had control of him, and Jesus freed him. He is a picture for us of all the different ways in which we find ourselves chained. Chained by a power greater than ourselves. And it might be as dramatic as this man's, but usually it's much more subtle. But when you are in chains, you know it. And I wonder if that's what you're experiencing today. You're caught. You're not able to think clearly. Evil seems to have much more space in your life than it ought to. You're trapped. You don't know how to get out. Jesus is the one who can bring you freedom. It's his word that rebukes the evil and drives it away. Is that perhaps God's word for you today? Right into whatever uh, chain might be holding you. He's the one who breaks those chains. 
And then we keep reading. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And now, yes, I think we have to make bold and in capital letters that word authority. When Jesus speaks, that settles it. But I don't want to stop just with the idea of authority. Now, that would leave us with the idea of bowing before him in worship, which is a wonderful and right good thing to do. But I want you to think right now of the impact of Jesus speaking and acting with authority. And I give you this picture of a tunnel. Now, there's light at the end of this tunnel, but sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where there seems no way out. And no matter which way we look, we see nothing but darkness. But into our darkness, Jesus speaks. He speaks truth, truth with authority truth about himself, truth about us, truth about forgiveness, truth about life, truth about our sure and certain hope. And we need that because we live in a world of so many confusing voices pulling us this way and that, and we don't know what to think. But into that confusing darkness, Jesus speaks with authority, and he brings light. Now, if we look to our right or to our left, we will still still see that confusing darkness of which we can make no sense. But we look at him, and we see life. We see forgiveness. We see sure and certain hope. We hear his promise that he has gone to prepare a place for us so we might spend eternity with him. We hear him say, even though you can't feel it, you may not even think it's true, I am with you always to the end of the age, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Yes. Into our darkness, Jesus speaks with authority, and he brings light. And then there's the fourth part of Jesus' way. We read this. Immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And now Simon's mother-in-law was lying ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That is such a beautiful picture. Again, no single word, but are you caught by the phrase that caught me? He took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. 
Yes. Jesus' way is the way of healing. And throughout the Gospel of Mark, you will see him healing one person after another. Now, it's a little different in our day. Now, God still does break in with miraculous healings. But sometimes our healing is the eternal one that happens when we meet him face to face. But in all cases, this Jesus, who can heal anything with just a word, is the one who is with us to bring wholeness to our bodies and, in particular, to our souls. I invite you again to look at those words and see this picture that he took her by the hand and he lifted her up and the fever left her. That is such a beautiful picture of the tenderness of Christ. Yes, he speaks with authority, but his authority is wrapped in gentleness as he comes to bring wholeness. And I wonder if this might be his word for you today. What kind of wholeness do you long for? Jesus is the one who can bring that wholeness. With just a word, with his action as he knows is best, whether it's now or giving us patience to wait for eternity. He brings wholeness into our bodies and into our souls. He is the God of healing. Perhaps that's just exactly the word you need today. And then the passage finishes. That evening at sundown, They brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Yes, this is the way of Jesus, the way of wholeness, the way of freedom, the way of light, and the way of truth. And people were utterly blown away as they watched him. Do you remember the three questions? Here's the first one. What of all this especially strikes you about Jesus? His teaching? His freedom? His light he brings into our darkness? the healing of souls and bodies? What is it that jumps off the page for you today and makes you say, thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord Jesus. Perhaps you'll want to talk about that with friends or family later today. Catherine and I listen to Pastor Kevin's messages nearly every week, and after we've listened, we sit together for a while. 15 minutes, a half an hour, 45, and we ask each other questions that have occurred to us after listening to the message. That's such a good habit to have. We love it 
And I encourage you, if, if, if there's some way you can make that happen in your home or maybe out for a cup of coffee or visiting a friend later on today, just ask one another, what especially struck you about Jesus today? And then there's that second question. Why do you particularly need him? What aspect of his way does your heart cry out for today? If we were in a different kind of setting, I would invite you to go away for a half an hour and take a journal with you and write about this. Uh, we can't do that here this morning, but I think you probably already know. I think the Holy Spirit is already whispering in your heart how much you need the teaching that he alone can bring, how much you need his freedom from those chains, how much you need his light in your darkness, how much you need his healing for body and soul. He wants you to have it. He cares about us so much. Have you thought about what it meant for him to travel in this way and do these things. It's interesting in the Gospel of Mark when, when he does talk about the content of Jesus' teaching. You know what the number one topic is? How Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified to give his life for the sins of the world. That's the heart and soul of his teaching. It's why we find forgiveness when we turn to him in repentance, trusting in him. He is the one who gives us freedom by entering the chains himself. He entered the power of Satan and let Satan do his worst. And if you will, Jesus was chained on the cross by those nails, only temporarily, of course. He rose victoriously, but for a time he cried out in anguish, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His light, it comes to us because he embraced the darkness. The darkness threw its worst at him. He felt it in the depths of his soul. But he moved through it into the victory of resurrection. He ascended to the Father. And today from the Father's right hand, he gives us the words of light, the words that can be trusted, the words that are unshakable, the words of authority. We look anywhere else and we will be engulfed by darkness. We look at him and we see sure and certain hope. And his healing, what do the scriptures say? It's by his wounds we are healed. Oh yes, it cost Jesus greatly to teach us, to free us, to give us light, and to heal us in body and soul. But he said, this is what I want to do, because I love you.
And in light of that, he says, what's yours today? What's your path? How is Jesus inviting you into his way? He's got something in mind. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read this marvelous passage. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every day, every day, God has created these opportunities. They're waiting for us. There's one waiting for you after church today, maybe before you even leave the building. There'll be more for you when you wake up in the morning. It will be an opportunity to bring truth into other people's lives, unshakable, beautiful truth, at the center of which is Jesus Christ. There will be opportunities to help free people from their chains, sometimes simply being Christ's presence with them, sometimes praying for them, sometimes having the word of wisdom that will give them the path to freedom. Yes, sometimes you will be the person who brings light into darkness where people are caught in that tunnel where they think there's no way out. And you will be the one who can be that solid place to lead them to that sure and certain hope. And for still others, you will be the one that God uses to bring wholeness in body and soul. It might be because you're in the medical profession. It might be because you're a parent and you have to kiss that ouch and put on that band-aid. It might be because you can speak a word into broken relationships that begin to move toward healing. It might be because you can bring a word of light to a person caught in a personal uh, darkness that, is, this, that seems like there is no way out. Wholeness in body and soul. God has something in mind for us today and tomorrow. And every day we live this side of eternity. That is his way. And it's a way he lives for us. And it's a way that he invites us into. Yes, Jesus the King. He's here. His kingdom is here. Be turning back to him. Be trusting in him. He is the one of light and freedom of authoritative truth, and of healing for body and soul. Amen.